Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You should have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, the third part in our sermon series, 24 A Day With God. We've already seen, uh, we've looked at the morning and getting in the habit of praying and reading the Bible. We've looked at the daytime, how we can uh, glorify God as we do our work, the work he's given us to do. And thirdly, we have uh, talking about leisure, the way we use our evenings, I guess, in a midweek setting. Before we continue, let me pray to start off with. Father, thank you for the gift of leisure that you've given us, a time to uh, relax, time to enjoy different things. Help us to think biblically about this subject as we consider your word this morning. Amen. Well, how much time do you spend on your leisure? How much do you think about leisure? What do you think about leisure? Do those questions even seem odd to you? Maybe you've been taking your allotted daily exercise during lockdown. What exercise we do, or leisure right now, can be somewhat limited, can't it? But yet it still remains an important part of life. Well, surely we just do leisure, don't we? Well, the Bible says that unless our minds are transformed by God's will and his word, they will naturally be conformed to the world. You see, without thinking clearly and biblically about our leisure, we can end up chasing it at all costs or dismissing it as unimportant. We'll all naturally be somewhere along that spectrum. Well, leisure will vary greatly for us 
depending on our age, our stage of life, our hobbies. So for this sermon, I'm defining leisure as simply the activities we choose to do, separate from our regular obligations and work. Now, in a typical weekday, leisure may well be an evening activity. So that's why this is part three in our series, A Day With God. Of course, so much more can be said about leisure than I'm going to be able to cover in a short sermon like this. But hopefully, this will get us thinking biblically about the topic. Now, we should say at the start also that the Bible doesn't talk about leisure directly, but rest. Leisure really is a modern application of rest. And I've got three points to help us consider the topic this morning. God's pattern for leisure, God's purpose for leisure, and redeeming our leisure. So firstly, God's pattern for leisure. Now we saw that initially in the reading we had earlier from Genesis. Did you notice how at the end, when God had finished creating, in the beginning of chapter 2, he says this, doesn't, well, the word, God's word says this. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God's made man as a pinnacle of his creation. And then he rests. It's spelled out very clearly, isn't it, in the text. God rests. Now, that's not because he needs to rest. Somehow he's tired or worn out but he's establishing rest as a pattern for the world that he's created. And you see, as image bearers, that's how we're described as, as humans, this pattern is surely vital for us, and we need to rest. And did you see the, or the order they come in as well? Well, rest and leisure, they follow work. God worked in creating uh, the world, and then he rests. And we see the pattern set out in Genesis and then highlighted in the Ten Commandments, for example. If we look at Exodus 20, uh, verses, nine, uh, well, verses 10 and 11 particularly, we see this. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this pattern is reinforced straight away, isn't it? It's a pattern that's given to God's people. It's how we are to act. Sabbath rest and leisure are emphasised in that fourth commandment. We're commanded to rest, not because it's a means of earning our salvation, but in response to the salvation that God has given to us. Now, we've got no time really this morning to consider how the Sabbath applies to us as Christians today. But the principle of rest and that importance is really clear, isn't it? God wants us to rest. He gives us leisure as a good thing. And Jesus picks up that theme very much in the New Testament. So, for example, uh, we look at uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all who labour 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my, my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So Jesus really emphasizes that importance of rest and leisure, doesn't he? He promises rest to all those who come to him. So it's not an optional extra for the Christian life, an add-on somehow. It's a promise that Jesus offers. Now we know, of course, that following Jesus is demanding. It requires our all. But it's not a burden or a yoke that crushes us. It's one in which we find rest. And as we move on through the New Testament, we see reinforced also that there's a promise of ultimate rest and ultimate leisure. The restful leisure we have now in this life is, uh, is not ultimate. We have something to look forward to. So, for example, in, in Hebrews 4, verses 9 to 11, this is what it says. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for, God, for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. See, while Jesus offers rest to his people now, the ultimate rest on offer is in the future. The ultimate leisure comes in the future. So the writer says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, which we are to strive to enter. God's pattern of rest was never simply for the here and now, he longs for us to join him in ultimate rest. Rest in the promised land that this passage in Hebrews was looking back to was only a picture of what was to come, the ultimate rest. So let's imitate God whose image we bear. Rest and leisure are not optional extras for the Christian. There may be times when it's easier to rest and have leisure, and lockdown may not be one of those times. But we mustn't lose sight of God's pattern and his design. It's emphasised throughout the Bible. We can't ignore it, can we? We mustn't lose sight of it. Now, did any of you get Lego as a Christmas present? Or maybe give it to somebody else? Lego's a great thing, isn't it? But Lego only really works when you follow the instructions. Our nephew Isaac is a particular fan of Lego and he can spend hours just following his instructions step by step so carefully in order to produce the model they're designed to build. Now, I often think conversely that when I've done enough work, it's time for leisure rather than being part of my design, part of the instructions that God has given for me. You see, it's not something to fit in at the end of some work, maybe when we have a little slot. No, actually, leisure is part of God's design for us. We're designed to rest. Not seeking to rest is not trusting God. So how do you view your leisure time? Do you realise your need for rest and leisure? Do you realise that leisure and Christian faith go together? They're not somehow opposites against each other. Well, having seen God's pattern for leisure, 
we'll now look at God's purpose for leisure. Over the centuries, Christians have often gone from one extreme to the other on this subject, either denying themselves any rest at all, or viewing leisure as somehow the ultimate goal which our lives should be built around. Are you more likely to minimise or maximise leisure? Where are you more likely to fall down? Well, Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, the famous 19th century preacher, said this, Rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. And as we look at God's word, we see that rest, under God's purposes, is to be enjoyed. It's a good thing to enjoy. So, for example, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says this. I perceived that there is nothing better for them as people than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's good gift to man. You see, just as leisure was part of God's creation pattern, it is not to be pursued through gritted teeth. It's a real blessing to enjoy. Eat and drink and take pleasure, says the writer of Ecclesiastes. He says we're designed to do that. We're designed to, to uh, eat and drink and take pleasure in our work. Well, surely that comes through rest and leisure, doesn't it? That's when we're eating and drinking. After all, work is so often hard toil, as God tells us to expect, in fact. God gives us this ability to enjoy life. So there's nothing better than to rejoice in him. Leisure's a real blessing to enjoy. We're not to feel guilty and enjoying leisure, thinking there's something better to do or more important to be doing. Instead, we should be thankful for the blessing that God gives us. A second purpose we can see from the Bible is that leisure is to be glorifying God. We can glorify God in our leisure. In fact, we should do. So, for example, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes this, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God doesn't lack any glory, but we can reflect his glory in how we go about our leisure. We can do it to be thankful for him, to praise him as we do it. So, for example, that might be playing sport in a fair and honest way. It might simply be loving and caring to those we spend our time with. Our leisure for God's glory, not our own. Now, clearly that principle is not just confined to leisure. It says, whatever you do in that verse, it's a principle for everything in life. But leisure is, of course, included in that, isn't it? Leisure should be done in the name of the Lord. Jesus is giving thanks. Which, sorry, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him. That doesn't mean that we should be going about our leisure, preaching sermons or praying all the time. That'd be quite difficult to do in certain sorts of leisure, wouldn't it? But we should have this approach guide us, guide what we do and how we do it. Do it for the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father.
You see, no aspect of our life can be separated from faith in God. We can't view leisure as merely recharging our batteries for work. C.S. Lewis said this, Our leisure, even our play, is a matter of serious concern. That's because there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. There is no neutral ground. And yet as we consider God's uh, purpose for leisure, we see too, in fact, that there's something it's not for. It's not for idleness or self-indulgence. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, uh, Paul talks about the danger of being lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's a sobering passage, that intro to the, to the chapter. There's so many things that will probably make us, make us uh, you know, really almost bulkously read it. But he summarises it really clearly as about lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. That's the danger. That's the wrong attitude. You see, there's a danger that we honour God, sorry, that we honour, glorify and worship our leisure rather than honouring God who gifts it to us. That's the danger. We become lovers of pleasure rather than the God who's given us these great gifts of leisure. So there can be a real temptation to be lazy or self-indulgent in our leisure. And it could be as simple as that kind of living for the weekend, my me time, that attitude that we might easily have. You see, therefore, leisure is a good thing, but not an ultimate thing. It's a good and necessary gift from God that we can use well or misuse. So will we be active or passive in our leisure? Will we see it as something relational to do with others? What about the way we use technology and social media? Film apps like Netflix. Do we just scroll through or watch episode after episode? It's so easy for time just to slide by, isn't it? If we're not thinking how we can glorify God and enjoy his good gifts. The challenge, you see, is to, in, is to enjoy leisure but not worship it. And that's something I found a challenge in my own running. I'm a keen runner and it's so often easy to, to sort of pursue your, uh, your hobby above pursuing God. It's a good thing to train hard in my sport, but if my focus is simply on my achievements, albeit quite modest ones, rather than thanking God for that gift of sport, I've missed the point, haven't I? Maybe you can think of similar examples in your own leisure time. What is your attitude to rest and leisure? Are you more likely to elevate it or relegate it? Would you say grace over your leisure, like G.K. Chesterton used to do? Can you ask yourself, can I live without this? Do I give thanks for this? So we've seen, haven't we? We've seen God's pattern for leisure and his purpose. And thirdly, let's think about how we can redeem our leisure. You see, it's not just about recharging batteries, and we need to redeem our leisure both in a big picture, kind of culturally, that prevalent attitude of live for the weekend, and personally in our own approach to our leisure. Now these are particularly difficult times we're in, aren't they, with lockdown. We're all being forced to rethink our leisure right now. Some of us may have far more leisure, some far less. 
So rather than giving kind of a list of practical tips that may be useful in more normal times, here are some questions that we could ask ourselves. If work finds you particularly busy, is there still some leisure that you could do, you could seek out? And if you seem to have more downtime, will you be deliberate with it, enjoying that good gift that God's given? If you know of church family who are really struggling to have any leisure at all, how could you help them? How could you help them enjoy that good gift that God has given? If you're feeling any sort of leisure seems impossible right now, will you ask for help? It's a good gift that God's given. We should seek to, to enjoy it. Will you ask for help from others? Could you use your leisure time as an opportunity for friendship and even witness to those who don't yet know Jesus? Who can we do leisure with? What about that walk, the run, or even the phone call? Who can we involve? How much rest are you getting? Could friends and family help you assess that? Even something as simple as, are you getting enough sleep? Do you trust God that he's made you need sleep and therefore sleep is part of his pattern, part of his creation pattern for you? We're going to get the balance wrong, aren't we, at times? We must remember that God forgives. He's a forgiving God. We can and should make sacrifices over our leisure time while still having a positive view of this gift he's given. I thought I might just share a couple of uh, probably errors that I've made, just to kind of set the scene. So firstly, when I started out as a journalist, I decided, I was a keen footballer, I decided to play Sunday league football so I could keep my Saturdays free to do a bit of sports reporting on the side. But that meant, actually, time at church was marginalised on Sunday. I didn't always get to a morning service. And another one might be this, that uh, as a keen runner, I would often go first thing in the morning. But so often my pattern used to be run first, then try and squeeze in that quiet time. But that obviously didn't have a great effect. So I managed to turn it round and really gain greatly from that. So this morning we've seen God's pattern for our leisure. It's echoed throughout the Bible. It's a good and necessary gift for us that he's given. We see God's purpose for leisure, what it should and shouldn't be. And we've considered redeeming our leisure, some key questions to ask ourselves. There's much more that can be said. And uh, I really do encourage you to read further on this subject. Chat amongst yourselves about it as well. But as we close, I'm going to pray and I'll introduce our final song. Father, thank you for your gift of leisure. Thank you that it is to be enjoyed and to glorify you. Help us to consider all the leisure we have and how we can manage to do that better for your glory. Amen.